Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's June 5th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The country woke up this morning to news that former Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern had been declared a dame. She is just one of 182 people from across a range of industries being recognised in today's King's Birthday Honours, on a list that includes rugby coaches, armed service personnel, medical pioneers and even Queen Camilla. But how does the honour system work and who gets to make the call on who gets knighted? On the front page today, to help us make sense of all the honours and understand how they're awarded, I'm joined by Secretary of Cabinet, Rachel Hayward. Rachel, let's start with the basics. What are the different honours that can be received? So in New Zealand, we've got three main orders. There's the Order of New Zealand, which is our most senior order. That's the one for outstanding service to the Crown and people of New Zealand, and that's our highest honour. And it's one that a lot of people will know because there are only 20 ordinary members at any one time. Then there's the New Zealand Order of Merit, and that was founded in 1996. And that's the order that has knights and dames, officers of the order, and members of the New Zealand Order of Merit. That replaced our use of the British system back in the mid-90s. And that's for people who've rendered meritorious service to the nation or become distinguished by their achievements or a particular talent. And then we've got the Queen's Service Order, which a lot of people will know. I often think of this as the kind of the heart of every honours list. It's the Queen's Service Order order, which includes the Queen's Service Medal, and that's for community and public service. And that is the people who make these tremendous contributions in their local communities. And of course, from this time next year, that will be known as the King's Service Order. So probably only one more list of Queen's Service Medals being given out. What's the history of the honours system in the Commonwealth? When did it start and which countries are included and excluded? Well, I think probably going back in time, you probably go back to the Norman Conquests, I think, when you first had Knights Bachelors being made on the field. So the UK on a system runs a long way back. And for New Zealand, we've used the we used the British system from about the mid-19th century through to the mid-90s. In 1917, King George created the Order of the British Empire, which is the British system that people are probably most familiar with. And there are still some countries that use that. Uh, The Cook Islands still uses the British honour system, I think the Solomons as well. But most countries have moved towards their own systems. So for example, Australia has the Order of Australia and has done since the 1990s. Canada introduced the Order of Canada in the 1960s. In terms of the details of the process, how are the recipients of honours actually chosen? We rely enormously, entirely in fact, on public nominations. So this is a great opportunity, Damien, for me to encourage people to nominate someone. I think if you're sitting around looking at an honours list and thinking, I don't don't know why X isn't on it, nominate X. So it relies on public nominations. The forms are on the website of the Department of the Prime Minister and Cabinet. And what we ask is that you fill in a, a nomination form and have at least two letters of support. So those public nominations will come in all year round. We probably get 800 to 1,000 nominations a year. They come into the Honours Unit, which is part of my team in the Cabinet Office in the Beehive. And it's a small team, but they all year they sit down, read through and summarise the contributions that are described in those nominations. How big is your team? Uh, three. Oh so goodness. it's it's um, a small but perfectly formed team and they do a fantastic job. They're very experienced in this stuff. So they write the nominations up into a sort of a citation along the lines of what you'll see published 
at New Year or King's birthday. And twice a year, a committee of ministers called the Appointments and Honours Committee meets and goes through and discusses all the nominations that have come through in the previous six months. And that committee makes a shortlist for approval. Shortlist goes to the Governor-General first. She has a look at it on behalf of the King and gives informal approval. And then there's a sounding process that we go through where the people who are on the list are then approached to ask if they'd like to accept an honour. Once we've got a finalised list, the Prime Minister puts that forward to the King for final approval. Rachel, what's your role through that entire process? Are you just observing and keeping track of everything, making sure that everything happens according to time as that all progresses? Yes, and advising. So each committee is looking at each nomination and thinking of a certain set of criteria. What's the length of service? What's the sphere of influence? Like, is this person, is their influence local or international or regional? What's the nature of their achievement compared with others? So we, because we've got a long experience in dealing with the Honours Unit, we can provide that kind of advice. And then it is hugely the inputs, so managing all those nominations in, and then communicating with the proposed recipients and doing that sounding process, checking whether people actually want to accept or not, managing all of that, and then just before, then we do the distribution of the list under embargo to the media and help with the publication of it. After this point, after the list is published, we hand over to our colleagues at Government House and they run the ceremonies at which people actually get given their honours by the Governor-General. Is there any difference between those honours announced on the King's birthday and those announced on New Year's Day? No, it's just we have two sets of lists. So one at New Year and one at King's birthday. We have seen some high-profile people reject honours in the past. What happens if someone doesn't want the honour? How does that generally play out? So that's what the sounding process is about because people have to be given the opportunity to accept an appointment to an order or to accept an honour. And that's entirely personal decision for people. So we, we probably get a handful of people each list who say no. And that's a private decision. We don't ask for their reasons. And we would just take the person's name off that provisional list and they're removed from the list that goes forward to the king for approval. There might be all sorts of reasons, although we don't ask for reasons, people sometimes tell us. And it often is in that range of somebody thinks it was a team effort and they shouldn't be singled out. Or sometimes people actually don't want the profile that's associated with an honour. So, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. And as I say, we, we don't ask. In rarer examples, we've also had some instances where honours are revoked. So under what circumstances would an honour be revoked? Well, there's no strict rules. On each occasion, it would be a decision for the Prime Minister. A Prime Minister might consider recommending that an honour be revoked where a person's actions are such that if they continue to hold an honour, that might bring the system into disrepute. And so one of the examples that's often given is, for example, if they're convicted of a criminal offence or they're sentenced for a crime that's punishable by more than three months in prison. I mean, there might be other situations too, but that's the kind of the threshold. Is there any political consideration that goes into determining who receives an honour? It's interesting. People ask that. I've been surprised since working here, actually, how little part politics seems to play in the system. And I I was looking back at the report that came out at the time that New Zealand adopted its own system. There's a line in that that says governments have the most powerful of reasons for preparing balanced lists. And that's because, you know, governments are subject to public scrutiny and accountability. And I think when you look at New Zealand lists over the years, they've included thousands of deserving people from all walks of life and, and probably all parts of the political spectrum. When the nominees do get to that committee stage, has there ever been fierce debate between committee members about who should be shortlisted and who shouldn't be shortlisted? There are some hard decisions to be made because there are always more deserving people than there are honours available. The honours are all set up under royal warrants and there are limits to how many can be given in any year. But the other thing is there's always another list. So sometimes people will be deferred for consideration later. One of the things every committee tries to do is 
having gone through all the citations, and they do, they read every citation, they go through them all individually, then they do an exercise of trying to ensure that they produce a balanced list so that they are thinking about gender and ethnicity and representation across New Zealand because they really want the list to represent the diversity of service and achievement across the country. And so sometimes those discussions, you know, there are some hard calls to be made. And finally, Rachel, this is our first King's birthday since the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Is there any room for our honour system to evolve beyond knights and dames or expand the order of New Zealand to have a more locally focused system? I absolutely think this is a locally focused system. So um, the New Zealand honour system since 1995 has been fully Indigenous. We don't use the British system at all anymore. There is always, of course, room for the system to evolve and expand, and I hope it does. And the one thing I would really encourage people to do, Damien, the the best thing for the system is the more diversity of nominations we have, the better the lists that we can produce. So I'd really encourage people to think about people who they consider deserving of an honour and put a nomination in. It's a bit of work to put a nomination in, as it should be, because we need really good information. But um, that's the way in which the lists will be most reflective of the modern New Zealand. So the key takeaway here is to get out and nominate people. Exactly. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.